Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now, new plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now, 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And good morning, everybody. It is time once again for the Garden Wise Show on Legends 810 with your Garden Wise guys. One of which is me, Jim Borland, and the other one is not me. He's him, Keith Funk. Good morning, Jim. Yeah, we are here this morning, barely. We snuck in under the radar this morning. That's <laughs> my fault. No, that's all right. We got here. We're here. That's all that counts. Hey, we're going to do a garden show here this morning. The way this operates is that on your end, <clears throat> you have to come up with a garden question. You may have already have one that's posed itself over the past week. So give us a call and uh, we'll talk about it. 303-477-2473. That'll get you right in here to the studio where it's dark outside. <clears throat> tomorrow it won't be dark. There's an orange glow in the horizon. Is there? Yeah. You know, tomorrow we, we change our clocks. Fall back. Fall back. Yes. Yeah, we go so from... So it'll get darker later. We go from daylight savings time to daylight losing time. <laughs> Tomorrow. Does that happen at midnight? Is that the one that works? <clears throat> I don't know. I think I'm going to leave mine the same and just live in the future. Yeah. Well, it's... You'll be right six months from now. <laughs> My car is. <laughs> is it six months apart? Is that exactly when that works? I don't know how long it yeah, is. I don't know where you... It is when they say it is. Whenever that is. Why do we do this, by the way? <coughs> it was <coughs> it was to save time. Yeah, but why do we do this? <coughs> Jeepers. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, it, originally, I hear, uh, I hear tell it was to allow the kids to walk to school in the morning in, in sunlight. Instead of the dark. Okay. But then I don't think any kids walk to school anymore. I don't think so either. No, so. so what's the point? I know there's a move afoot to uh, to keep it the same year round, like a lot of number of states do. Mm -hmm. uh, Hawaii does that. Arizona does that. They don't go through this nonsense. We didn't used to go through this nonsense. No, well, I, and we I lived know. just fine. Thank I, well, you. Well, I know, I know. It was good for the Neanderthals. It should be good for us. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not a whole lot of stuff was good for the Neanderthals. Hey, I checked on something week that came up last weekend on our show. Was that? It was this thing called leafy, no, not leafy spurge, spreading spurge. What's another name for that thing? Spotted. Spotted. Mouse spurge. ear. Spurge, yeah. It goes by Euphorbia maculata <clears throat> or now chamoisist maculata. Or just crummy, nasty weed. Yeah. So I was looking up the seed longevity of it because mm. it's an annual. We were wondering how often do you have to, or how long would you have to put down your pre-emergent? And I can't find any information on longevity. Really? No, none. Nobody knows. In that case, oh, just figure. Keeping it a secret. Just, just figure forever. Yeah. Yeah, that some of that seed just lasts forever in the ground, and every time you disturb the soil, there it is. There's more comes to the surface. Yep. I so don't think you can unless you, unless you can steam treat your soil down to like two feet. 
and I, prevent the wind from blowing anything in. And ever, yeah. Ever. Yeah. Or birds or squirrels. Or, yeah, yeah, birds or squirrels, yes. Or those nasty emus that come through our Oh, I hate those. Every now and again. Yeah. You know. Man, they just they create a mess. <laughs> Speaking of creating a mess, I looked out at my bird bath the other day, which is, is just a, a big plant saucer. That's mm. all it is. It works. And then um, I looked around, and, and the, <laughs> the ground is littered with these <clears throat> purple-black stains. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, hundreds of them. Buckthorn? Buckthorn. Somebody's got a buckthorn somewhere. Well, you're going to have some soon. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of seed now on on my patio, <clears throat> and uh, so I looked at it a little bit later, and there's like a thousand robins oh. taking a bath sure. all all at once. Oh well, they're <laughs> kind of friendly, aren't they? Followed with uh, a thousand starlings. Oh, they like taking a bath all at once, <laughs> and the two don't mix. By the way, <clears throat> they don't like each other. Hmm. Well, starlings have that long pecky beak. They do, and uh, I don't know. Do they eat? Do they eat those buckthorns? I, I never asked them. <coughs> I know the robins do. They eat just about any kind of yeah. berry there is out there. But man, while they were there, they they left their deposit just everywhere. Whew. Man, oh shivers! Do you have that problem when uh, with the mulberry tree in your neighbor's yard in the summer? Didn't this past year, I don't know why, because it was loaded with mulberries, again, for like the <clears throat> eighth year in a row. Mm-hmm. But uh, not this year. I, I, I don't know, but maybe next year. Oh, okay. Well, usually that mulberry trees lead to very generous deposits. <laughs> yes. Everywhere. Do. Yes. I have, my neighbor has two very large mulberry trees. Very large. Uh, one of which is a, a volunteer. Right along, right along a fence line, mm. and the other one was probably planted on purpose because it's in a row with where other trees used to be. They're not there anymore because that former neighbor never watered anything ever. No, oh, yeah, they and do you, take water. Yeah, I grew up with them in Kansas. I don't know about you back east, but we had them in shelter belts and around ponds and just about any place you could think of a tree would grow. Yeah. There's a mulberry tree. And they'd come in, you know, the dark purple color. You yeah. get some red ones. There's yeah. some that were pink, some that were white, and yeah. just about every shade in between. It was wonderful. We had only and they one. make great bait when you went fishing. Well, f- for what? Fish. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> did you go fishing or did you go catching? <laughs> <laughs> we had only one. And we would go up there and harvest and eat them. Yeah. Right off the tree. Mm-hmm. We, we never asked the person who owned it. We just, you know, we were kids. Of course not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just go in the yard and eat, eat their fruit. That's right. <laughs> they also had what I don't, must have been a big chicken coop at one time, but it wasn't at that time. And there was a big uh, honeybee har- uh, uh, yeah, home in there. Mm-hmm. And we can go inside and, and harvest honey. No. Oh, yeah. Cool. You were brave. Oh, I, well, yeah. We're stupid. <laughs> stupid. We're kids. Come on. <laughs> what do you expect? <laughs> oh, dear. That was, those were the days. Well, hey, since last <coughs> week, I put in almost 500 bulbs in the yard. Piker. Piker? Piker. How many did you plant? When you get up to 20, this year, none. <laughs> when you get up to 2,200, let me know. Okay. All right. <laughs> 
Well, it was a lot for me <clears throat> to do in one afternoon. Well, yeah, that's it's a lot in one day. No and doubt. you know what I discovered? Mm. It's dry out there. It is. My my sprinkler system hasn't been off for all that long. It's dry. Yep. And I spent all day yesterday just watering the front and side yard. All day. Well, all yeah. afternoon, I yep. guess I should say. Just to get some water in the ground. I felt sorry for those poor plants. And those bulbs. you got to have some water with those bulbs. Yeah, you do. So <coughs> today is going to be watering the backyard. <coughs> which won't take as long because it's small. I'd rather have more can, in the backyard than in the front yard. You can do that from your, from your porch, can't you? From my deck? <laughs> from your deck. <laughs> <laughs> it just hose it down. Except the water <laughs> spigots down below. Two stories up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Those are the. Hey, have you ever seen crab apples turn a good color? It's been a good <coughs> year for that. I've ne- I don't think I've ever seen that before. They usually, you might get some yellow and then brown. Mm-hmm. This year, I could, we don't have any, but our neighbors do. And they're nice, nice oranges and reds. Cool. And loaded with crab apples. Yeah. Which is also beautiful. The, the crab apples and the hawthorns both are really loaded with fruit this year. It's beautiful. Messy, but beautiful. Yeah, yeah. We don't have any callers yet. No, we don't. <clears throat> I'm waiting. Now who's a piker? 303-477-2473. Only those who have, who have planted more than 500 bulbs can call. <laughs> it's not too late to plant. I hope not. My wife just got her lily bulbs. Oh, really? Yeah. How many did she get? Uh, not that many. <clears throat> a relatively small box. But we kept checking online. You know, God. These companies who send you updates on where your shipment is. Mm-hmm. I think they just make stuff up. They do. I checked yesterday. This this item was coming out in UPS. And <laughs> they noted that Label has been written. Like, what the heck do I care <laughs> that you've written the label for this box? No kidding. Next day it was on our porch. Oh, wow. <laughs> so go figure. <laughs> well, I was just going to point out that uh, the garden center still do have <clears throat> fall bulbs in stock. Yeah. And I suspect, I haven't been in a garden center for a week or 10 days. I suspect they're all on sale. It could be. Well, Other than the amaryllis and the paper ones. Yeah, yeah. But the tulips and daffodils, that, those hardy bulbs that you plant outside in the ground, I suspect they're all on sale right now. Yeah, so go check. Or you might give your favorite garden center a call and, and ask them. They'll tell you. Say the wise guys told you to call. Yeah. You can blame it on us. But uh, uh, this is also a good time of year if you're going to do any bulbs for forcing indoors later on is to get them potted up and watered in and put in the garage or someplace where it's not going to freeze too hard. It doesn't matter if it freezes some, but you want them to be able to grow some roots in the pots and you want them in a place where you can access them so you can water them on a regular basis. But they need to be cold. But like I said, it's okay if they, if they freeze. That's not going to hurt them. 
I usually did it in the garage on uh, on a shelf on a, an outside wall <coughs> that wasn't insulated, so mm-hmm. that it would it would um, get nice and nice yeah. and chilly. Yeah, every garage is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And then you have to make sure if you're going to do some bulb forcing, it's an easy thing to do, but you do need to do a little bit of research to be successful. Uh, and the reason I say that is that. Each bulb type, you know, a tulip versus a hyacinth versus a daffodil versus a crocus, that sort of thing, each different type has a minimum cooling time before you can bring them in the house and expect them to flower. Yes. So you'll want to do a little research so that you know how long, at a a minimum, you can leave them in longer in, in the garage, but how long in a minimum you would need to leave them in the garage or cool area uh, before you can bring them inside. Because if you bring them inside too early, the flower hasn't come out of dormancy properly and you probably won't get a flower. Right. You You'll can do this in your refrigerator too. Can you really? <clears throat> Why not? Well, sure. It's, it's My a, wife would never let me do that. <laughs> it's the exact proper temperature. Okay. Yeah. Under 40 degrees? Yeah, put 30 or 40 pots full of bulbs in your refrigerator. Oh, yeah. 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 Put them in the back. <laughs> <laughs> away from the that'll uh, smell good after a while yeah away from the kohlrabi and, <laughs> and stuff <laughs> yeah yeah sure don't put them in your freezer no that does not work you'll no, kill no, them no. yeah absolutely because we're talking what 20 below there no kidding yeah they don't they don't want to take those kind of temperatures well they're not going to grow well, even if they were survive the temperature <clears throat> they're they're not going to grow the roots that they need to be able no. to to bloom later so anyway, uh, as far as you know, cooling times, uh, just for an example, crocus is a small bulb, and typically they need about eight or ten weeks of cooling before you can bring them into the house and force them into flower. That's two, two and a half months, people. Yeah. Now, that's one of the shortest periods. Now, you could leave them in the garage for, I, I not, like what I would used to do is I'd plant up several different pots of crocus, and then once I hit that <laughs> ten weeks... Then I'd bring them in one pot a week, one pot every mm-hmm. 10 days. Because you can leave them in longer if you want to. That's not going to hurt them. You just have that minimum to meet. Yep. And that way you can stagger them into flower, into the house. So you have a longer period of time where you have some color. So um, tulips, bigger bulb, takes a little bit longer, 14 weeks. And daffodils are right in there, 14 to 16 weeks. Hyacinths are in that 12-week area. That's so, three months, people. Yeah, just do a little bit of research to find out what your minimum cooling time is. Now, sometimes if you're lucky, you can find hyacinth bulbs. I've seen these in yeah. stores. They're called pre-cooled. Mm-hmm. Now, most of the time, that doesn't mean they're ready to go. <laughs> it's just it means that some of the cooling time has already been taken care of for you. So it'll tell you on the label how much more they need. But uh, those are kind of nice to have. Uh, but otherwise, it's a really pretty simple process. Once they've hit that minimum cooling time in the in the garage <coughs> or wherever you're storing them, and keeping them well watered, um, then bring them into the house in a nice, cool, sunny room, and they'll do their thing. Not much you can do to stop them. No, I I don't think my my wife's lily bulbs that she she just got would work that way. No, I don't think so either. You'd need lots of room in the house once they start growing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and lots of sun. Yeah, really. And lots of sun. You don't have that kind of sun in your house. <coughs> no. You need a greenhouse. Yeah. Now, there's a trick on tulips, too, by the way, I found over the years. Uh, ran across this little tip 
oh, decades ago, and it really works. If you look, if you look at a tulip bulb from the top, it has kind of a D shape. There's a flat side and a round side. Yes. When you're putting them in the pot, <clears throat> it makes sense, in my mind, to put the round side facing outside the pot. Well, that's wrong. Yeah, the other way around. You put the flat side facing the outside of the pot. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is the first leaf that that bulb produces mm -hmm. is on the flat side. So that way the leaf comes out and hangs over the edge of the pot and gives you a nice ring of foliage around the outside of the pot. Makes it look more beautiful. It does. Yep. More prettier. Mm -hmm. And it works every time. But that's <laughs> only on tulips. <clears throat> the rest of them don't have flat sides. No. <clears throat> what else? What else can we talk about as far as bulbs? This well? um, You can do mixed pots. So you put in a, a layer of tulips deeper down and then a layer of hyacinths and maybe a layer of daffodils. And then on top of that, you put some crocus and so forth, smaller bulbs. Well, when you do something like that, you've got to figure out what is the bulb that's going to take the longest, the longest cooling yep. time. <clears throat> yep. And keep them in that si inside for keep them in the cool for that long a period of time. You can do this outside too. Mm -hmm. I remember worked for a garden center. He had a great big huge sand pit outside, oh, yeah? and he'd prepare everything, plant up all the bulbs, and just bury them in sand. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was in Seattle. <laughs> it may not work here so well. <laughs> yeah, because they have a tendency to freeze, and it's hard to get the yeah. pots out of the ground when yeah. the ground is frozen. That's true. But it works. Yeah. Sold lots of stuff that way. Sure. Um, I remember we used to do it at the garden center. We'd take the leftover bulbs, pot them up into nursery pots, and put them undercover with the nursery stock mm -hmm. outside under the frost blankets. And go out and wander once in a while and discard the ones that the voles and stuff got to. And you'd end up with some pretty pretty pots full of flowers in the spring. Yeah. And you could sell them. We did that. <laughs> Fancy that in yeah. the garden center. Exactly. <clears throat> and then these bulbs can be kept and, and put outdoors in the yard later on in May. Um, you just want to make sure that they're kept well watered and fertilized, and in a nice sunny location after they've finished blooming, you want to encourage that leaf growth to rebuild the bulb as much as possible. They want to plant them deeper. Def absolutely. Once you, once you put them outside, you want to plant them at their <coughs> appropriate depth. Yep. And you'll be covering up some of the leaves in the process. Or you can leave them in the pots and keep watering them until they go dormant on their own. The yeah. leaves turn yellow and what have you. Then you can just knock them out of the pot, and you'll have the... The bare root bulbs, and you can plant them right then and there. Yeah, you can plant them. You don't have to wait till fall. You can no. plant them immediately, and that's fine too. A lot of times they don't bloom the next year. Uh, it was just too much of a um, an ordeal <laughs> for the plant <laughs> yeah. to be forced. And I hate I hate calling it forcing bulbs because you're not really forcing them to do anything they wouldn't do otherwise. You're just kind of tricking them into doing it. On your yeah, time we could change that word from force into tricking. Yeah, or fooling. <laughs> fooling bulbs. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good title for a, for a chapter. There you go. <laughs> fooling bulbs. Bulb bulb trickery. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, no kidding. And some bulbs are very fragrant. A good example would be hyacinths. Oh, yeah. They can be overpowering in a, in a small room. Especially the deep purple ones and white ones are yeah. really. I mean, you'll think you have a whole room full of great ant <laughs> bees or something like that. <laughs> or grandmas. <laughs> or grandmas, yeah. Wearing their perfume. <coughs> it's fine from a distance. Yeah. But if, you sit, <clears throat> if you've got a pot of five or six flower, fi- uh, five or six bulbs. <laughs> woo. Yeah, next to, next to the table you're eating your morning cereal. That's yeah. a bit much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two or three at a time is plenty. They are powerful. They stink pretty good. Hey, we got to take our first break. We're going to do that and uh, <clears throat> and join people to give us a call here at 303 477 2473. We'll be back. We'll see you soon right here on Legends A10. Have you been waiting for that last application of fertilizer for the yard? Well, Fertilome has a solution for that. Fertilome Winterizer. Winterizer is the most important application of the entire year. Never skimp on this application. A number of years ago, Fertilome examined university studies of winterlizer formulas and created a special winterlizer for our area. This special formula is quickly and easily converted to stored food for your turf to help it make it through the unpredictable winter months. In the spring, a yard that has Fertilome winterlizer applied to it in the fall will be the fullest, darkest green yard on the block. You'll find Fertilome Winterlizer at your favorite independent garden retailer, including The Tree Farm in Longmont, Wilmore Nursery in Littleton, Tagawa Gardens in Centennial, Nick's Garden Center in Aurora. To find the closest Fertilome dealer, go to www.fertilome.com. That's www.fertilome.com. And be sure to tell them that the Garden Wise guys sent you. Call into the Fix It Show with your questions about your home. Saturday morning at 9.30. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix It Show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix It Show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. And as I told you, we are back real soon after a brief break. I find a new echinacea. Hmm? There's only one that I found over the past week. Things are slowing down. I'm not, we're not going to make 800 this year. I can tell. This one's called Super Duper. Okay. What color is that? It is a reddish pink. Its claim to fame is it's, it's the first, the double echinacea or coneflower that you can grow from seed is that the one that looked like a chrysanthemum looks just exactly like a chrysanthemum <laughs> see i told you breeders are trying to make flowers look like other flowers i know that's 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 the aim well i don't think it's right oh i did see a new a lot of new tropical hibiscus Mm. But this latest, one of the latest ones I saw was a fully double, and I don't particularly care for double flowers, but this one was pretty. It was mm. a lavender Ooh. with 
pinkish overtones. Very, very beautiful. What I've seen on those double varieties is they have a tendency to be such a heavy flower that they hang from the tree. And so you kind of have to look up at them to see them nicely. Oh, darn. That was the problem with uh, uh, flowering maple, butylon. Mm-hmm. Aside from the fact that all the blooms were inside the foliage. You exactly. You anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but when you could see them, then you had to get on your hands and knees and look up. Or put them up on a pedestal. But now they got some that are facing outwards and sort of kind of upwards. And, and out from underneath the foliage. Yes. Which is helpful. Yes. All right. Uh, we've got a couple of people on the line right now. Let's go start with Jerry out in Thornton. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning. Hey, what's going on with you today? Well, I'm calling for my neighbor. I think he's bashful about calling in. Okay. He was, he was concerned about, <clears throat> I think it's, he has a red maple in his front yard. I would say it's about 25 feet tall. And uh, during this past uh, growing season, the leaves uh, browned up all around the edges of the uh, maple. Mm-hmm. That symptom also appeared in an, on an oak tree that's about in another neighbor's yard, about 25, 30 feet away. I personally have observed that over the summer in taking walks around the neighborhood, and I also had that uh, symptom on some nursery stock that I had a young man uh, plant in my yard that the leaves were curled up and browned up around the edges. Any. Any thoughts? Because the neighbor has consulted a couple of people, and they've told him simply it just needs to be trimmed to where we uh, need to inject it, et cetera, uh, et cetera. Uh, those, those symptoms you're describing are all um, drought stress. That's what I Lack thought. of water. We had an incredibly dry summer. Between the end of June and the end of October. Until now. Until now, we had one inch, inch of moisture and we were losing up upwards of two inches a week during the summer so if that wasn't correctly applied and and replaced and put into the ground things suffered yes um i listen to your show every uh, saturday and you uh, generally report how much moisture has been lost and uh, i tried to pay attention to that i'd I've got some ash trees in my yard, a couple of them, and they did not exhibit anything like that. Good. Okay. So um, I'll pass that on to my neighbor, but if I can get one more question in. Yeah, go ahead. I had a, um, some plantings or some uh, shrubs replaced that weren't doing good because they weren't getting enough sun. I had a young man I met at a nursery uh, does his own business and does plantings and so forth. He suggested, and I went along with planting some azaleas that that are in shade most of the day. Okay, and um, they had this uh, brown stress from the nursery that came that way. Mm-hmm. So I spoke to the uh, extension office out in Adams County. And oh my God, why did you plant azaleas? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> grow well here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You need to replace all the dirt. You're never going to be satisfied with them. But the young man is convinced that they will do well with the proper uh, pH level and doctoring it. 
Any thoughts? Did he tell you how you were going to how you were supposed to do that? So, um, but, um, something honeytone or some product like that, and biotone. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's really not going to affect the pH too much. And Jim, I'm sure you can <laughs> relate to what our soil pH is like here. It's like growing in Maalox. Uh, it's it's anything you try to do to change the pH is so quickly buffered out of the soil. And then our water, thank you, Denver, Denver water, it, the pH is up to eight and a half, nine. <laughs> it, it, it's a losing battle. Okay. And you're trying to get a pH of 4.5 to 5. And okay. trying to do that with soil that's already 8 point something, and then watering with 8.5 or, or higher. Um, it, losing, battle. It, losing battle man you, you lost even before you started and and that's just the soil problem the second problem <clears> is <throat> lack of humidity yep azalea is like a humid climate we don't have one the other thing they like is a lot of moisture they like to be kept constantly moist at the roots very difficult yeah, to do. Very, a shallow root system that mm -hmm. dries out very quickly especially at 105 degrees well, it doesn't sound like that uh, ultimately is going to work out for him. No, probably not. Do you know what kind of azaleas he planted or had you you, you planted? Uh, Golden Light. Oh, that's okay. one of the light series from what, Minnesota. Minnesota? Yeah. yeah. So as far as hardiness, cold hardiness <coughs> goes. You're, you're, you got it. You got a good one. <laughs> um, it's a deciduous azalea. Yep. Most people are familiar with the evergreen azaleas from down south. But the one, typically the ones, that, the only ones really that grow well here are the deciduous types. And I don't, I, I say grow well. That's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm using the word, I'm being generous. Um, yeah, I, I've lived here since 79. And I think I have tried growing azaleas the entire time <laughs> I've been here. Azaleas <laughs> and rhododendrons. And I get them to work a little bit. But they, they just never thrive the way they do in the climate that they were designed to grow in. However, when they get them in the, in the garden center in the spring, and if they're in bud and oh, start blooming, gorgeous. they are gorgeous and they sell like hotcakes. Yep. <laughs> and they die even faster. <laughs> well, give me a quick suggestion in, uh, for eastern exposure, but it's uh, totally shaded by my huge ash tree in front and the neighbor's two-story house. And whose two gigantic ash trees, uh, ash trees, ash trees, on the south side? So they, it, I have virtually no sun on this foundation planting. Well, one thing I would look at is um, Mahonia, Oregon grape holly, and oh, yeah, yeah. it I, it comes in several different sizes. Just the straight species will get quite large, upwards of eight feet or more. But the compact variety, uh, the compact Oregon grape holly, will grow three to four feet tall. And then there's the ground cover type, the Mahonia repens. And the reason I like it is it's evergreen. It has yellow flowers in the spring, and then it has berries. And, you know, you get 12 months of interest out of it. And I have some of that in my backyard. Okay. And it's, it's in mostly shade, too, and it does fine. So some other things to look at would be Annabelle hydrangeas. Annabelle, 
Okay. That one is specifically for a shady spot. It's a white bloomer. So it's not affected by soil pH whatsoever. But it is a water hog. I've got some hydrangeas, and you can't put enough water on it. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's, that's about right, yeah. Um, other <coughs> other plants, um, you might look at boxwood. No flowers, but that's a possibility. Also, what do you think, uh, Jim, about Carol Mackey Daphne? I'd like to say it in more sun. More sun? That, okay. Full, full morning sun would be great, but shade day, all, all day long. Eh. That might be too shady, huh? Yeah, I think so. What do you think? Any, well, have any others come to mind for you, Jim? Not big shrubs. Uh, that's always it's a big problem here. Uh, I like some short shrubs that get n- not even a foot tall that are evergreen. And there are two. One is, uh, only one's probably available, is uh, Pachystema or Mountain Lover. And it's just green. It, it has flowers, but you have to get in your hands and knees to see them. And it, uh, it, it's a very, it's, I think it's just a lovely, uh, eventually a ground cover. It moves very slowly through the soil. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate your uh, recommendations and uh, handling my questions. I'll pass your uh, comments on to my neighbor. All right. Hey, real quick question for you, Jerry. Um, when, going back to the oak and, and so forth that you were talking about earlier, when you're looking at the oak tree, is it all the leaves that were affected or did you just see... The tips of some of the branches, all the leaves turned brown and just hung there. No, uh, not the entire leaf uh, itself turned brown, just the outer edges of it. All right. The entire tree exhibited these symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's... You wouldn't happen to know which oak it is, would you? No. No. No idea. Yeah. Yeah, those, those symptoms you're describing are all drought stress. Just lack of water and, and lack of humidity, and the tree is just losing more water than it physically can pull out of the ground. And that can happen even if there's enough moisture in the ground. You can still get that drought stress symptom simply because maybe the, the root system is inadequate, there's been some damage or what have you, and it can't bring the water up to the fo- The foliage is losing water faster than the root system can supply it. Well, I know both these uh, gentlemen, both these neighbors, water... Um, regularly but maybe they're not watering enough or no probably not uh, you well let them know about this uh, this thing called evapotranspiration that we try to give out every mm-hmm. week here and right. if they can if they can come close to following that uh, they'll be in great shape yeah right. fre- frequency is one thing but duration is also yes. is, uh, just as important understood and and if they if they don't have a cat or if you don't have a cat uh, go out and get yourself a a water measuring device. So when they do water, they can tell exactly sure. how much water they put down. Most people don't put down enough. I think you're correct. In fact, uh, the city of Thornton uh, uh, has an agreement with, um, I can't remember the name, some conservancy, uh, water conservancy outfit that will come out and analyze your irrigation system and and measure the amount of water that you're putting on and then make recommendations as yeah, to right. recycling. And so now, that's very nice, but anybody can do that. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. But it's free. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, in my scenario, you have to either buy a cat or, or like tuna fish. Okay. <laughs> so you can get the cans. Uh, 
the one neighbor hates cats, so he won't be buying. Oh, well, okay. Cats. Yeah. All right. Well, I can get you have the have your neighbor who does have a cat. Give him some tuna fish cans and take the label off. All right, guys, I thought I'd help you out because you're constantly asking for people to call in. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. And by the way, when you talk to your neighbor, tell them this week we lost 0.44 inches of moisture. All right, I'll pass that on. All right. Okay. Guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. <clears throat> the reason I was asking about his oak tree is uh, this year, more than ever, I've seen oak scale problems. Yep. And you can always tell you've got oak scale simply by looking at your oak tree, and if the tips of branches here and there have a half dozen leaves or more that are dead and just hanging on, not falling off, that's called flagging, uh, that's a real good indication you've got oak scale. And it can be devastating to that tree. It needs to, as soon as you see that, you need to treat it. Yeah, it'll kill the tree. Yeah. <clears throat> it may take a year or two or three, but it'll kill it. Even a big tree, it can yep. really big do ones. in. Yep. Um, and, and that soil applied systemic <coughs> that we've talked about, the, uh, the bare or the fertile loam soil drench, works just fine on that. Mm-hmm. Does a really fine job. And that can even be applied right now in, in preparation for next spring. Yeah, mark it on your calendar. This is the day you put it down because next year, same day, put it down again. Yeah, just once a year. Yep. And no spraying involved, which no. is really nice. And it works like a champ. I think so. All right, and, and you don't have to worry about, you know, some people are worried about the, the systemic in the tree getting in the flowers and so forth. And Well, oak trees are wind-pollinated. <coughs> they're not bee-pollinated, so you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Okay. It's for me. All right. What's next? We've got uh, a break to go to, and then we'll come back and <coughs> talk to Jane. And I'm not, about kale plants, it looks like. Kale? Kale. I'm, not, I'm, go- I'm leaving. It's good. I, it, not, yeah, you, not one of my favorites. Ick. Sorry. <laughs> I'll take spinach first over it. Over there you go. Day. All right. We'll be back real quick right here on Legends 810. How mad is she? At Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, we have a sure way to get you out of the doghouse. So is she daisy bouquet mad? We have the cutest sweet bouquets that can perk up her day. A petite size to tell her you're thinking of her. Is she mixed garden bouquet with a few roses mad? Our moderate-sized bouquets have a beautiful mix of colorful flowers with a few special roses tucked in. Perfect size to let her know she's important in your life. Or is she premium rose bouquet mad? Do you need to wow her? She can't resist smiling when she gets this one. This size tells her you can't live without her. Prepare yourself. You might be overwhelmed with wild affection. The power of flowers. It's undeniable. Become a believer. It's easy to send flowers. Call us at 303-665-5555. Order online at www.lafayetteflorist.com. Or stop by. We're open daily. Come visit us at Lafayette Florist Gift Shop and Garden Center, located at 600 South Public Road in the heart of Lafayette. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And we are back taking your phone calls at this following number, 303-477-2473, the last four digits. Digit, those two. Yeah, all yeah, of them. The last four numbers. What about I, them? I, well, those, that'll get you in here. And you need those to get, to get in here. No other numbers will work, by the way. No. No, no random numbers will get you in here. Unless you happen to... 
hit upon there. What'll be like this? Six and six and four. It's like ten digits. Yeah. You'd be all day. There'd have to be a lot of chimpanzees at typewriters. <laughs> it would be. <laughs> or on computer. Yeah. Uh, computer keys. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. We've got Jane waiting <coughs> to talk to us out in Denver. Good morning, Jane. Good morning. How are you? Excellent. What's going on with you today? Well, I'm going to enjoy a cup of tea as soon as you answer some of my questions. Okay, good. <laughs> um, kale isn't my favorite plant either, and it wasn't. Um, we, we have a, a condominium um, area that has uh, garden plots, and uh, somebody planted some kale, and I believe it was left over from the previous year. And so this year um, it grew and grew, and nobody really harvested the leaves <clears throat> to eat. And um, the plant actually got grew about waist high. Mm-hmm. And um, when we were uh, preparing the plots for next year, uh, the root system on it was probably, they had like 12-inch long roots and very healthy and thick. Yeah. But anyway, it was dug up. And um, I was wondering, um, I put it in a, on top of the plot and uh, covered it with dirt, hoping that to plant it next year and to see if it would produce again. Would, w- will it produce again? I, I wouldn't. No, I would start it with brand new plants next year. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm not sure you're going to be able to do it anyway. Yeah, if you've taken it out of the ground and just laying it on top and covering it with a little bit of dirt, that plant isn't going to make it through the winter. No. Okay. And then the second thing is, um, in the uh, the uh, little area that um, we have for people to kind of a courtyard area, there's no sun that really gets into that area, but we wanted to plant some flowers in there to bring some beauty into it besides just this dark Mm-hmm. shadows of the of the shade and things what would you suggest planting in there well the first two that come to mind would be impatience and begonias oh okay and they are they easy <coughs> to take care of very yep okay and then they if they don't have any sun they'll grow yeah, now when uh, on the impatience, you'll want to get the old-fashioned impatience. They they have some out there now called sun patients, and those do want some sun. But the other w- old-fashioned types for shade uh, do perfectly in in no sun at all. And you could look at you could look at coleus, um, which has colorful foliage. You could look at caladiums, again has colorful foliage. Okay. What, what do you think? Uh, Lobelia might work, Jim? It depends on how bright the shade is. Yeah. Is there is there any trees or anything over top of this? Yes. Yes, <coughs> there are. Oh. There's, a, there's, a, there's a pine that's in that area. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the other tree is. But, um, yeah, there are some trees there that... Um, so it, it, the, the sun doesn't shine. It's it's always on the on the the south side of the building, yeah. and um, so and, and then the trees that are in there offer it even more shade. Gotcha. Well, I th- I think those suggestions would give you plenty to choose from as far as colors and heights to uh, to mix together. 
How, um, which which flower would offer um, some height to 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 bring the color up off the ground? Well, the the coleus is going to be the tallest. And now it, oh, it it's really not planted for its flowers. It's planted for its very colorful <coughs> foliage, which I kind of like because then you don't have the deadheading and you don't have the messy dead flowers laying around, uh, and it's always colorful. Okay. And now this this area has uh, got some bark uh, uh, for for ground cover. Mm-hmm. Um, do, does that need to be all uh, raked away? And then um, how do you take care of the soil uh, to plant these uh, plants in there? I'd plant. I'd put some. Yeah, rake the bark back and just pile it up in a corner, and then add lots of organic matter and dig that in really well. <clears throat> level it out. Do your plantings. And once that's done, then you can bring your bark mulch back in around the plants. Okay, and that will keep that area moist? Well, yeah, more moist than no bark mulch. But you'll still have to water, and with trees in that area, you have to keep in mind that the trees are going to be very efficient at sucking that water out of the soil probably faster than your flowers. So you're going to have to be very vigilant with the watering. Okay. All right. Well, that's always good to know. And then I would well, also uh, I also see some fertilizer because anything that blooms a lot needs to have some fertilizer to keep it going. What kind of fertilizer do you suggest? Oh, just a general purpose granular flower garden fertilizer. Uh, put it down about once a month. Like, you just scatter it like chicken feed on the ground and water it in. Okay. All right. All right. Well, those answer my questions, and uh, thank you so very much for the information. You're welcome. Thanks for the call, Jane. Mm-hmm. So, what's next? We have no more callers. Well, I, uh, I we ran it, out. It's not my. <laughs> we did run out. And can you reach into the bag and <laughs> and pick up some more callers here? Uh, here's the number you have to use to get into that bag: three zero three. Four seven seven twenty four seventy three. Now, a conversation with Jane did br- brought up a subject of uh, soil prep. It's not just for spring. You can do that now. Anytime you have bare soil, you can do soil prep. Yep. When you've gotten rid of your annuals in the ground, now is a good re- great time to put some compost, uh, or as Jim called it, organic matter your choice of organic matter into the ground dig it down in leave it rough you don't really have to rake it smooth the winter will do that for you yeah or your vegetable garden another great place to do some soil prep right now it's nice and dry pardon me nice and dry so it's easy to get in there and dig that's not always the case in the spring you know when you have time to get out there and dig it may have just rained the day before and we do get rain in the spring so Fall soil prep makes it so much easier. Yeah. Making a big deal about rain and snow coming in next week. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <clears throat> I'll believe that when I see it. Me too. We're supposed to have had some last week or so. We had all those dreary days in a row. I yeah. was hoping for some moisture. Well, it, we got a little sprinkle in our backyard. Yeah, it made the deck wet, and that's yeah. about it. Yeah, it didn't even make our deck wet at all. <laughs> I, I, I just stayed out in the rain. Did you really? Yeah. Because I'm tough that way. Was Dorothy mad at you or something? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think I had something important going on. Oh, oh okay. <clears throat> All right. I think I was digging in the soil or something. Oh, okay. 
You know, I'm always doing something out there. Well, that's true. Yeah, something, something. And like our last uh, commercial said, it's uh, it's not too late to winterize your lawn. You can still put a winterizer down. Yep. We've got plenty of open, warmish weather coming along. And uh, if you haven't put a winterizer down, I would <coughs> highly recommend it. It's really nothing different than the fertilizer you've used all summer long. They call it winterizer. I think it's more of a marketing yeah. gimmick than anything. Well, I'd and there are some smart grasses out there. They might be able to see the writing on your bag. So, Just put careful. a piece of tape over that yeah. part of it. Yeah, be careful. Yeah. But what you want is a, a high nitrogen, <coughs> slow-release <coughs> fertilizer to put on in the fall. And if you're using something like Pro-Rich or Fertilome Lawn Food Plus Iron, uh, those are pretty uh, uh, readily available at the garden centers. Uh, you could, if you've been using that all summer long, you can use it in the fall, too. If you look at the analysis on the bag of the Fertilome Lawn Food Plus Iron versus the Fertilome Winterizer, there's hardly any difference. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. And your lawn will, will start growing. I mean, with this kind of weather, your lawn's going great, great guns. And you get it that much farther ahead <coughs> and healthy and thick and That's beautiful right. for for spring, for and, next spring. And how and do I know that? Because I cut the grass yesterday. Did you? Yeah, and it, it, was, it needed it. Did it? So it's growing. Yeah. Well, it likes the cool weather. That's, That's why they call it a cool season grass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So whatever you can do to beef it up, get it nice and thick and healthy, right now you're that much farther ahead in the game for next spring. And, you know, fall is all about preparing for next spring. You're always preparing for something in the garden. Yeah, gardeners have a tendency to live in the future, don't we? Yeah, they do. <laughs> Thank <laughs> it's, it's cheaper if you, if you lived in the past. <laughs> you wouldn't be trying so many plants that aren't going to grow for you. Well, yeah. How many uh, have you killed this year? <clears throat> um, I don't count anymore. Yeah. It's too discouraging. I wouldn't admit to it even if I no. did count. But my rhododendron looks great. <clears throat> Got a dozen buds on it. Okay. This, this is the last one, right? Last remaining one of... Um, let's see. I've got one, two, three. Three of them. Okay. Only one of them is doing well. <laughs> okay. The other two are kind of puny looking. Yeah, well, you know what you have to do. <laughs> and, what know, do I have to do, Jim? I don't know. Okay, I don't know what you would do. You have to, you have to acidify your water. No, they're having to survive on just what they get. I'm, I'm not into doing all of that. Those gyrations right. and standing on one foot with one eye closed yeah. on a Tuesday. Well, well, then you deserve what you get. Then. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to up and croak. You know that. Well, the way I, the way I look at it is if. Whatever it is in the yard that croaks, that's just an opportunity for something new. Well, it is. And if your if you're one rhododendron that has buds on it blooms next spring, that's when I would invite all your friends over. Well, it bloomed like a fool this spring. And, 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 uh, you can, and brag it up good. Yeah. <laughs> it may not be there next year or year after. <laughs> I know. And during the winter, boy, we get some of those cold days down into the... You know, below zero days. Yeah, it looks like death warmed over. It does. It? <laughs> the leaves curl up like cigars. And hang down. And hang down, and you think, oh, it's gone. And there's no way it's coming back from that. Yep. And then it warms up the next day, and the leaves flatten out and look just fine. Yep, yep. 
They're amazing plants. I'm still waiting for this uh, research that was done in Germany. Hmm. They come up with uh, a rhododendron that grows in higher pH soils. I wish they'd hurry up with that. Yeah, well, I wish so. I don't think it's made it over to this country yet. Because I'd, I'd buy one. You know, I've seen, we had a caller earlier that talked about the <coughs> Northern Lights series that he had planted. Yep. I've seen those and the Exbury Azalea yep. group <coughs> planted yep. here. Yep. And in certain conditions, they've done quite well. But you really, I think it's more luck than anything, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. You think you know where you should put it and, and mm -hmm. so forth. But sometimes it's just the luck of the draw that you actually got it in the right spot. Speaking of plants that aren't supposed to grow here, you posted something on Facebook about a, a it has to be a new Japanese maple that's oh, hardy, yes. hardy to zone four. Yeah. Was it plant selector Monrovia? I think it was Monrovia. I think it was Monrovia yeah. introduction. And it's only got to be three feet tall, but it had the typical Japanese maple red leaves on it. Mm -hmm. uh, highly dissected. Uh, and if that works, it's, that's, that's going to be a winner. Yeah, the, the if, big word there if, is if it if. works. The big little word. What should be one of those that requires pH of 3.5 or 4 or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pH can be a real problem. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a bummer, man. It's really difficult to change the pH of soil here. It's very hard. Yeah, don't even bother. I don't bother trying. And, and you, you can't do it in the long term. I mean... It, it's tough. It's well, really, you'd really have tough. to excavate a huge proportion of the soil, and somewhere, and try to find replacement soil that isn't high pH to begin with. That isn't Denver soil that or isn't Colorado Denver, yeah, soil. You're going to have to imported from I don't know Pennsylvania, uh, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and then then you have to have a water source that's yeah. not high pH. <clears throat> well, that can be accomplished. You know, you can you can set up acidification. Yeah, and at that point, it's like, why bother? <laughs> well, they do it in greenhouses. <laughs> I understand that. They have the equipment for that there. Yeah. But the normal homeowner... And, and while you're at it, just build a greenhouse and <laughs> grow them in there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Or in take a trip in the spring to the south. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And enjoy <coughs> other people's azaleas and rhododendrons yeah. and dogwood trees. Or go over to southern England. Ooh. And just... And you and just fall to your knees and cry. <laughs> it's, it's just overwhelming. And it's they don't even appreciate it, do they? Well, you know, they live with it every year after year after year. Yeah. But uh, we see pictures on Facebook every now and again of rhododendron trees. You can park under. Uh, yeah. Yes. Two-story trees. Completely just red. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing's red. No green, just red. Magnificent. Just like I said, fall on your knees and weep. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Take lots of pictures. <laughs> let's see, where are we at time-wise here? We've, okay, yeah, let's go out and talk to Jackie uh, and see what's going on with her ash trees. Good morning, Jackie. Good morning, guys. I've listened to you for years and hopefully learned a lot. Well, thank you. We appreciate you listening. It doesn't all stick, but uh, I try. <laughs> I understand that. I live in a complex where there are 62 ash trees, and I I think they have treated them. I, I'm not how, how, how do you know there's 60, what do you say, 67 ash trees? 62. 60, how do you know that? Because I've counted them, and I, 
it, it, it we're, we're sort of enclosed, so I... Well, I, well, bless your heart for knowing how many ash trees you have. <laughs> anyway, but I have two huge ones of my own. Yeah. So, somewhere I remember you talking about treating them with some kind of a bear, like aspirin, uh, liquid, something or other. Is mm-hmm. there any point in doing that for my two, my two trees? Well, where do you live? In Littleton, in Highlands Ranch. I probably wouldn't. Good. Uh, I say that be- because <laughs> e- even though the experts have, have are no longer tracking this emerald, emerald ash bore, yeah. uh, it, it, it was at last count only up in the boulder Niwot area. Longmont, Longmont right area. area. Yeah. Okay. And they suspect that travel, what do I remember, half a mile a year or something like that? Okay. <clears throat> well, it has, spread, it has spread so far that they said, you know, we're just, we're just going to give up. We're not going to, because there's nothing you can do about it anyway. Great. Well, I, I, at a half hour, at a half mile <clears throat> a year, I probably wouldn't be here. Wouldn't <laughs> <be>. <laughs> You're thinking about life in general as I am. There you <laughs> yeah. go. Right. Okay, well, that's very interesting, and that's great news. Well, you know, keep keep an eye on and, and keep an eye out for your neighborhood and other, somebody's bound to report a movement of emerald ash beetle sooner or later in your neighborhood. Well, the people in charge are so scared. I mean, they, they, they wanted to invest the money to, well, treat, to yeah, treat them yeah. because God knows then we won't have any any. Are, are these Are these really big trees? They are. Yeah. See, this... They were probably planted around 1990. Mm, okay, that makes them, what, 30, 30 years? Yeah. That th- yeah. They, can, they can get bigger... 89, and, 90. Yeah, they can get bigger and, and older than that. Um, okay. The reason I ask is that these treatments that we recommend and others do aren't nearly as effective on some really old trees as they are on younger trees. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. All right, then I have some ammo when, when they say, oh, my God, we've got to spend thousands of dollars because we've got to treat them in case they die. Well, here's another way you perhaps know. to look at it is that a lot of municipalities are starting to take out their ash trees, even though they're healthy, and replacing them with other trees. Sure. And uh, you might uh, have your people consider that instead of spending a lot of money on treating all those 62 trees. Uh, spend some of it on taking some down and replacing with other trees. If you knew who I was dealing with, you would not try to do that. Yeah, it's, it's, one, of the hard, yeah, it's one of the hardest things to, to do. I understand. But, you know, you, you can tell them as long as you're at least five miles from, or f- what is it, five or ten miles now? Okay. I think it's five miles from the nearest infestation. You're safe. Yeah. Great. That's great news. Okay. Well, thanks so much for the information. Okay, bye-bye. All right, music indicates we finished up one entire hour doing this, and uh, we're going to gear up here to do another hour. And in the meantime, take one of the shortest breaks in history right here on Legends 810.